You're listening to Cards to the Moon, a podcast about trading cards from both a collector and investor perspective. We hope you'll stick around for the ride as we take a deep dive into the state of the hobby, share some hot takes, hopefully some useful advice and fun stories along the way. Hey guys, welcome back to Cards to the Moon. This is episode 177. My name is Clark from 5cardguys.com and 5cardguys on Instagram. Co-hosting with me as usual is Hyung of Integrity Sports Cards and John who is Trade You at Recess. Alright, later on in this episode we have a special guest and good friend who we consider our personal resident Pokemon expert uh, that we've been wanting to have on the pod for a while now and he's finally agreed to come on the show. Uh, his name is Roy and we'll be asking him a bunch of Pokemon card questions that I think might be interesting even for sports card collectors and investors because uh, what I noticed recently is that that in our WhatsApp friend chat group, uh, you know, while most of us who are primarily sports card collectors are talking about how much the market's crashed, uh, Roy, on the other hand, is talking about Pokemon cards um, that have doubled and tripled in value. So looking forward to learning more about Pokemon cards and some of these cards from a collector point of view as well are actually pretty amazing in their look and design as well. And uh, for me personally, uh, my six-year-old is big into Pokemon cards, so I wouldn't mind knowing which ones to maybe put in top loaders and which ones you can just throw throw around and play with. So that's uh, also what I'm hoping to learn in our interview. Uh, that interview is coming in just a bit, but off the top, um, I know a lot's been said about the issue of repacks, especially after Cblaze put out on his um, IG uh, video uh, recently, how it's, in his opinion, overall bad for the hobby. Then we got a bunch of rebuttals saying how it's necessary for the hobby and everything um, you know, and everything in between. So maybe we could just spend a few minutes adding our two cents if anyone's curious on our take and, and then we can move on and hopefully live happily ever after. I know this has been kind of beaten to the ground. But first, Young, um, I was wondering if you could just explain first what a repack is for people that don't know so, um, what a repack is. Yeah, so repacks are basically, I guess breakers are, are more into it, are starting to go towards that. And the repacks are basically where you know, they create uh, their own or they buy slabs where you, you know, they they put in maybe 50, 100 packs where people could purchase. It could be any number pretty much. Um, and there's a so-called hits within their kind of like uh, repack. Right. So mm-hmm. you're you're just you could spend 50 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever it costs uh, on a particular repack uh, for from breaker or whoever. And you could pull out, you know, something that may be less than the $50, which is your typical common. And then, you know, you could pull out, I guess they would say their chase, the chase card or a, a hit, one of the hits that, you know, can be more than the the $50 or $100 buy-in value that uh, a repack uh, sells for. And it could be any amount. It all depends on, you know, uh, the person that is doing the repack or the business or the company. But it's essentially, uh, um, yeah, a a way, I guess, what Cblez was mentioning that, you know, um, a lot of these uh, breakers are starting to buy in bulk uh, at a higher comp rate. But for me, I... I'm in the camp of of kind of like um, it's it's necessary, and mm. you're gonna see more of it um, because we haven't even talked about razes. 
like, you know, breaking used to not be a thing too. Like if you go back in time, it started becoming a trend in the hobby. Repacks aren't new. They've been around, you know, uh, f for a number of years. Uh, I've participated in repacks. I don't, I don't really participate today in repacks, but like I've done it. I've hit something great, you know, like where, you know, a repack was 200 bucks and, you know, the, the person that was organizing the repacks was like, you'll get a, potentially a slab that's worth at least 200 bucks. Let's just say that's what they say. Right. And, and you could, I, I, I think we pulled uh, Jason Tatum prism PSA 10 and at the time it was worth like 800 bucks. Right. Mm. So for me, I've, I've had good experiences with repacks I'm not saying that, but it's no different than like, what's the difference between you opening up a box of cards, right? Or entering a break. You're, mm -hmm. the, the repack concept is you're actually, it's, it's a lower risk amount, in my opinion, of just gambling your money away because you're guaranteed something, at least. If you participate in a, a, a break or a Raz or have your own box that you're ripping, you come up with nothing. Like 95% of the value you paid could be lost right. in, in one of those. Whereas this, you're actually retaining some value or at least that might be the controversy, right? Is Are these repackers, you know, um, fudging things where it benefits them a lot more and the end user a lot less, right? So, Right. I guess that's the main concern, right? Like, um, whether you could trust the repackers, you know, right. like what are their comp values? They're, they're saying, oh, you're going to get, get at least a guaranteed $200 uh, slab bag, but the comp is it actually $100 right. for that card. Right. But right? for me, I, it, it like you could harp on the details of, of course, it's not perfect, but this is what we were talking about in previous episodes and my philosophy on why there's, you know, going to be bumps in the road in the hobby like such as this. But this makes the hobby better. Like, I just looked before this episode what Arena Club is doing. And mm -hmm. they have a repack that just released uh, not too long ago. Like, literally, I, I, it might be in the last couple days where everything is tracked. It's very transparent of what's included in the repack. Right? right? So it's like, you, you know beforehand entering what cards are done and it's all done through a digital experience. The card is physical, so they would ship mm -hmm. the card out to you, but you're you're entering a repack, you get to open it digitally and see the actual card and then if and you know what cards are in the repack. So if there's a card, if there's there's they did it by category like tier 1, tier 2, tier 3 where it's like a $50 uh pack, a $100 pack mm, and a $200 pack and you get yeah. three slabs. Right? So for me, the math makes sense on both parts. If, you know, they're buying even at less than comps, you know, you could um, uh, create that value if you do it properly. And if you have full transparency, I think it's a great experience, to be honest. And I think um, uh, who is it? Neo Cards and Comics was saying that it's it feeds into the whole ecosystem of cards at the end of the day. Breakers, you know, um, you know selling singles, all, all that falls into the, the ecosystem. So even mm -hmm. with uh, people that want to dump their slabs, somebody's picking it up at least, and it's being recycled within the community. That's uh, a necessary, um, I won't even call it an evil, but like it's necessary 
uh, and companies like Arena Club start figuring out how to make it better, how to make the experience better. And that's what the hobby is all about, in my opinion, is, you know, you go through the bumps. And, and, I'm, and I, there might be, like I said, Raz City, like back in the day, there might be a better version of, you know, how to do Razes in a more uh, experienced, user-friendly setting. And we don't know where the future is going in terms of sure. all these experiences, right? So for me, I'm for it because you got companies like Arena Club doing the right thing, in my opinion. Uh, providing more value to the hobby in that sense. Okay, John, what do you think? So, Clark, when you put when you put this topic up, um, I know that it's been blowing up on Instagram and social media because I see it everywhere. But I'll admit I didn't bother to click anything or watch <laughs> anything, so I'm a little confused. Like, C. Bless, I think based on your notes, you said that he argued that dealers prefer to sell to repackers. So are people right. arguing his point or now it's just become this thing where people are just arguing break like uh, repackers in general or is it a, a bit of both? I think it's a bit of both, right? Um, I've definitely heard both sides because mm. the, the argument from CPLAS is that why would dealers um, sell to other people like Packers, us trying to yeah. buy singles um, at lower comps when they could sell at higher comps to these repackers or these repacked businesses? Right, because they could use that for their repacks, and and so um, essentially he's saying that uh, for no average collectors, it kind of it's not good for average collectors because they can't get the cars they want at fair prices. So um, yeah, and the other other side is that like Hyung was saying, they're saying it's necessary because it does provide liquidity in the market. Right, someone's picking up these slabs that probably no one would want to pick up anyways, um, but if there is a repacker that does pick it up, then they're pumping um, money back into the market and, and it keeps the cycle going. So that's kind of the flip side. Right. You know, what's funny is that, you know, based on my experience, and maybe 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 I'm the sucker at a card, Joe, but based on my experience, like if, if repackers are buying off of dealers at a discounted price, but it's more than... I see Bless argues they're selling it more to repackers because it's more than what they would sell to mm -hmm. regular. Um, I don't, is that even true? Because when I try to buy off of dealers, like I'm not paying 70% yeah. the cost. There's no way. I, the dealer has it listed at 150%. And then if I can get him down to 98% of a comp, then I, then I've probably won, right? <laughs> I think I think the 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 issue more is like what C. Blaz was saying is like uh, that these repackers are buying at ninety percent comps and and other personal people want to buy at like eighty percent where uh, it's it's making the comps higher and more yeah, expensive yeah, yeah. than yeah, what yeah, they're yeah. actually worth. Got it. Right. Yeah, so I think that's what his what, argument was. Yeah, and I'm just jokingly saying like I've never seen. Any dealer <laughs> right. yeah, give away nobody. a card at eighty percent comp, especially. But, to, uh, yeah, but, yeah, but I, I think uh, yeah. I think some of the repackers too. They are known to, especially like backyard breaks. Um, they are known to buy whole tables at at, at, at one in one shot. Right. Right. Yeah. So they'll do that as well. Right. And and they have a benefit, right? Like are these guys who are going out shopping for uh, for whatnot, like sports yeah. card collector, and like they have content and. 
stuff that they need that that requires like the the machine to keep rolling right so even if they have to pay a little bit extra than they they would imagine versus a regular collector like they got to do it for the content they got to do it to to keep the the oil running right or the, the engine running so i get it um i think it's for like for in terms of the seabless part of this i don't see a problem like if i was a dealer of course i'm gonna sell it to my best customer if my best customer happens to be a repacker then so be it like i don't really see the problem maybe it goes against uh their business of breaking so i understand there's some frustration for him on a personal level i don't know um and then repacking in general like i mean i uh i've never gone into a break but i admittedly i have done i have bought a repack before and it was off of uh it was off of phil hughes and oh, wow. I, and you know i i at the time, and he was not that he was in shading or thing. Like he's he was very reputable in the hobby yeah. space. Uh, I trusted him, and I think he it was a pretty expensive repack. And you know, Phil Hughes doesn't collect trash. Like he collects some good stuff. So it was off of his like personal collection. Um, I think it was like close to two hundred US for a single, and it was a PSA ten slab. Mm-hmm. Um, and the odds were, I think it was like 80% odds, you get at least get your money back. Mm-hmm. So for Phil, you know, like imagine any of us, we have all this sort of lower end uh, quantity of cards, like like we say, like some, some trash in our collection that we want to sell and give away. We don't want to do the work of, I don't know, going to eBay, uh, getting hit with the fees and all that. And you can give it away at 100% comps, but you do it in a creative way. In repacking, I think it's perfectly fine. And for the for the consumer, if you find a reputable repacker, the experience of chasing is still there. Like I still had a even though it's just one singular rip, one card. I, I had a lot of fun, and I actually got a, a card that was worth the money that I paid. Right, so you don't feel okay. as bad. I think the the negative in the hobby space right now, especially the experience with ripping with kids and with anybody. Is the ROI is ridiculous. Like the, the you know, hobby boxes are 150, yeah. 175, 225, 300, 350. Even National Treasures or, you know, like tops, what was the latest one that came out? Like Definitive or right, whatever, right. $2,000 a box. Like the, the <laughs> odds are you're getting like a $100 card worth of cards in that $2,000 box. You're getting $16 worth of base cards in a, in a $300 hobby. So like, if if somebody can creatively say, "Hey man, I'm doing repacking," I can give you, I can guarantee you, fifty percent chance that you're gonna at least make your money back. Uh, it's a pretty good proposition, and I, I get there's sure. yeah, there's space for, um, you know, bad business. People can lie about it. People can put the biggest chase and give that pack secretly to their friend or keep it, mm-hmm. withhold it. Like I I get it. There's, I think there's probably. That's up to you. That's up to you to do your due diligence on yeah. what repacker, your what company you're chasing, all that. I've I've talked spoken too much already, but no, um, yeah. all valid points, all valid points, and I'll just end off by saying because you guys mentioned all the main points, but I think at the end of the day, it's it's um, trusting in the repacker. You exactly. know, you gotta be um, they gotta be reputable, but also it's on the repacker side of the business where they are more transparent. You know, like I know some of the suggestions is like. 
um, provide a checklist so you know which hits are actually gone. Oh, that's right? a good idea. And, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, like I didn't know about Arena Club that Hyung was talking about, but that's another way of doing either. it, being transparent. Right. Uh, everything's digital. I mean, that's kind of what NFTs are. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna speak more about NFTs because I know that's a trigger word for some collectors. <laughs> but that keeps track of everything, right? And and uh, maybe there's a future in in um, combining NFT technology with repack um, mm. the repack business. But you know, as long as there's transparency, people know what knows what's been hit and what hasn't. Um, uh, you know, I'm like I'm with you guys. Like I don't see anything wrong with it. It's 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 kind of like breaking too, right? You have bad breakers, shady breakers. Um, you you kind of have shady repackers now. And once things get cleaned up, um, as the hobby continues to grow, as the industry continues to grow, then um, then I think no one's going to really talk about whether repack is good for the hobby or not. I think people are just going to accept it as a regular, different part of the business or part of the hobby. Right. So, so yeah, um, I, I, you know, I, I do uh, commend C Bless for bringing this discussion. I didn't know it was going to take off and everyone's going to talk about it, but it is a good discussion to have. And if there's any new development on the repack front, we'll definitely dedicate a bigger portion of a future episode on the issue. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. All right, with that, let's play our interview with our friend Roy. Today we have another special guest with us, as we mentioned at the top of the show. He's a good friend of ours, and he's the guy we go to for any Pokemon card questions we might have. His name is Roy, and I was just at the Sports Card Expo with him in Toronto recently, and I wanted to pick up a nice Charizard for my son, and he helped me pick out a cool card. He gave me the backstory on it and even you know potential investment value, which was greatly appreciated because... I could have totally been ripped off if I just picked one by myself, right? So uh, since that show, I've been doing a ton more research and I've gone down the rabbit hole. And now my son and I talk about Pokemon cards all the time. But uh, there's so much more to learn, I know. So without further ado, Roy, welcome to the pod. Thank you. Thank you for having me, guys. Yeah, it's a long time coming, right? We've uh, we've always wanted Roy to come on, and finally he uh, has agreed <laughs> to to talk Pokemon. So I'm I'm looking forward to to this chat. Um, all right, let's start with how you got into Pokemon. Um, did you collect as a kid, and uh, what got you back into Pokemon cards? Yeah, like I started collecting back in 1999 when the set first came out. Um, okay, you know, my parents had a store, so. Every now and then, I'll just take it back and rip it open. <laughs> <laughs> so then I start collecting, you know, I collect with my friends. We start playing the card game. Um, yeah. But, you know, that's how I first got into it. I fell in love with the game and, you know, everything after, you know, the TV show, the, uh, right. the Game Boy game. Um, and then, I, you know, I didn't take care of my cards, which I, I truly regret. I wasn't <laughs> diligent like John, putting them into, you know, sleeves and binders right away. I would just hold it by the stack and just shove it in my pocket, go to school, go to church, and just play the game with my friends, show off the cards. So um, that's one thing I do regret about collecting as a kid. But um, right. how I got back into it is pretty much 
you know, a little bit because of Hyung and John. They during COVID or like right before COVID, they got me into sports cards. You know, mm-hmm. I, I I just started buying everything. You know, I was buying rookie <laughs> cards, all base, all base, base chrome. Apparently, that was a go-to thing. Um, right. So then I started getting hooked on sports cards. Um, just that was a nostalgic too. You know, collecting sports cards as a kid, hockey cards, mm. uh, baseball cards, and then for sure. Um, and then a few months into it, you know, I, I, I was a part of this, this discord group and someone posted this one picture of this Pokemon card. And I was like, Whoa, what's that? It was like a full art card. And, you know, back when I was collecting, I only collected for like probably about like one or two years. So, uh, it was like mm-hmm. base set fossil, um, like intro sets, like the very first cards, the iterations right. of the Pokemon cards. And then I see this card that has like a, the whole card, the whole length of the card is like a full image. And then, you know, yeah. it's so nostalgic to me. It was like Pikachu, um, Bulbasaur, Charmander, and Squirtle all on that one card. And I was like, man, mm. that card is sick. I want that. I need that. Yeah. So then I started, you know, looking into like, what card is that? How do I get it? You know, mm-hmm. lo and behold, that card was like a $5,000 Japanese Pokemon card. But I was like, okay. What else can I get into, um, right. into into buying Pokemon cards? So I started, you know, slowly crawling into that rabbit hole, looking at looking for deals, um, you know, because all the sports cards I was buying, I was buying like one, two, three hundred dollars sports cards, and I, you know, I was like, okay, I could do the same thing with Pokemon, um, but that's when like the sports card it was kind of going downhill. Like that base game, everyone started to jump on, um, yeah, you know, numbered numbered cards or. Um, something a little bit more than base. So I was like, okay, right. you know what? I'll probably do, I'll just do the same thing with Pokemon and see where that takes me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's how I kind of got back into the whole collecting Pokemon. It was through John, cool. and, you know, kind of through John and Young and collecting sports cards that transitioned into Pokemon. And um, yeah, I wouldn't say thanks to John, John and Young because they made me lose a lot of money on sports cards. <laughs> 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 Who are you listening to? Peak? Getting bass. Got at the peak and uh, uh the yeah, that will so. kill you. <laughs> hey, but hey, but I, I, yeah, I got back oh, into Pokemon man. and you know I've been doing pretty well with that, so I'm happy. I was gonna say, mm. I feel like you at least broke even. You know, you got all the profits from Pokemon. Yeah, it's the skill sets you learn, Roy. Come yeah, on. no, no, yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> big picture, Roy. Big exactly, picture. Exactly. Big picture. <laughs> I just wish I got into it maybe one or two years later, and then I would have been gravy. Yeah, same. <laughs> all right, we we all say that about sports cards too, yeah. <laughs> or or at least in 2021, uh, 2020, we wish we went heavy into a lot of the more rare cards. But um, that's why we wanted you on too, because I know um, you know like in our friend WhatsApp chat group um, that where we talk about sports cards mainly. You know, we're lately we're talking about how. We're just losing money and how our Lewis Robert collection is useless. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and, you know, how we're trying to sell junk slabs. And then meanwhile, every once in a while, Roy would message like, oh, man, this Pokemon card I have just what 3X. Yeah, and yeah. we're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so, so we're like, we need to learn more about Pokemon cards. Um, so that's why, you know, some of these questions for more seasoned Pokemon card collectors might think they're very basic because they are. But uh, for sports card collectors, this might be new to them. So um, uh, I hope this is of value. This episode is of value. And I'm going to start from the beginning. You know, when 
uh, we talk about Pokemon cards and other TCG cards in general. The first edition cards are always highly coveted, of course, right? Um, so can you tell us about Pokemon first edition cards, you know, when they were released and which ones are going for big bucks right now? I know you just mentioned 1999. Would they be the ones considered first edition cards? Yeah, and before I continue, I want to, full disclosure, I am no Pokemon expert. I am not a pro. <laughs> I just do it as a hobby. And, you know, this is this is the information that I currently know, but... I'll try to pass yes. on as much knowledge as I can. Okay, I appreciate uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, in terms of first edition, yeah, 1999, they had their first print, first edition cards, uh, base. Um, and the ones that you want to go for are anything that's holographic. Those are the ones that will hold the most value, especially if they grade well. You know, uh, the yeah. card being 25 years old, if you didn't grade it right away, you didn't pack sleeve it, it's not going to be in good shape because, you know, most of the kids played it as a TCG. So, you know, whether right, you put it in right. sleeves or not, it's still being played. So there's a lot more wear and tear, more scratches or whatever it is. So the conditions are harder to find. But yeah, in terms of what you want to be collecting, the holographics and any like the, you know, Charizard's obviously the the go-to. Mm -hmm. um, any of the OG starters, uh, Blastoise, yeah. Venusaur, um, Mewtwo. Uh, yeah, there's there's a there's there's a few that you want to be collecting and. It's definitely the 1999 set, um, but in Japan, actually, the Japanese version, their cards came out in 1996. So it took mm. about three years for them to um, interesting that hype to develop and then transition or you know come over to the North American side. And when you said you you had a store and you just ripped open packs, everyone did, were those the first edition sets no, that you're talking about? No, definitely okay. not. I think I think first edition <laughs> would only be like card stores because you know they're just getting oh, whatever. See. You know, community stores are always lagged. You know, our immigrant parents are like, mm. oh, you're making money on this? Okay, I'm going to go buy <laughs> buy these Pokemon cards and sell them at our store right. too. So um, definitely wasn't first edition, but it was. they were base cards, 1999 base. So I was lucky okay. to have those. Um, you mentioned Charizard, like, uh, and, you know, like the, I know there's a bunch of characters, but were, just out of curiosity, were those characters, like, popular from the get? You know what I mean? Like Charizard, Pikachu, or did they gain popularity over time? I think in like the U.S. or North American side, Charizard was always kind of like the go-to. He was always considered like the the chase card, the one to get. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, it's so hard thinking back. Like I was just happy to get any Hollow. You know. Um, mm, right. But and like yeah, back then I didn't really have a favorite Pokemon that I really grew attached to at the time when I was collecting cards. It was just fun to play. You know, you just play the game. Uh, you try to beat your friends, and then you know show off your collection yeah yeah uh before we start recording you know we mentioned how like um you're you're um younger than us roy so you actually played with them and you know when the 1999 i was like in my uh early 20s oh, so yeah. I, I totally missed the point <laughs> totally missed the boat on uh pokemon i was you know um uh way behind me but john were you part of that you no, know not, the 99, it, at least, 99 i just graduated high school but my, okay. my but my younger brother he he collected I remember so I do okay. watching him collect I do recall Charizard being popular back then I remember he was a bit of a chase mm. and Pikachu was obviously popular because everyone only knew of Pokemon because of the show and obviously he's sort of the main character right, right. in the show right so interesting yeah. okay you you mentioned uh, earlier too like uh, well the, um, Japan came out with the 1996 set so. Other than the language on the cards themselves, are there any other main differences between the Japanese and the U.S. 
or the English sets, and and which one do you personally like better? Yeah, there could be a totally different array of cards、um, in terms of Japanese and English. Like most、mm. of the sets are the same, but and I didn't collect from like 2001 till like 2020. So there's a big gap of cards I don't really okay, have knowledge、right. on. But like what I'm seeing, you know, by looking and doing some research, there's there's some cards that are part of a set on in the Japanese sets, and they're not part of the set in terms of like ripping. They have the same cards, but you know, some some of them are in packs in the Japanese sets, and some of them come as、mm-hmm. promotional cards. So if you buy like a a booster box or like an ETB,、um, right, it'll come as a free card. So everyone that buys that ETB will get this free promo card. Whereas in the Japanese card, it'll be a card that you pull.、Um, yeah. So there's different variants of that. There's other promotional cards, like if you buy from Best Buy, twenty dollars, you get like a Best Buy encrypted encrypted card. And there's all these different promotionals that like the Japanese have and the English sets have, or、mm. vice versa. Like one's in the set、right. and one's not.、Um, okay. Sorry, what was the other question? Um, just the main differences. So, and and、uh, what do you, which one do you personally like to collect? Yeah, so I I started collecting English when I first got into it, but then、um, slowly started rolling over onto the Japanese side, and that's mainly because the quality control on the Japanese is so much higher than the ones on the English sets.、Oh, really? Yeah. So, like, if you were to grade, like, let's say a hundred cards that are English, like random, you just pull them in the packs, you collect a hundred cards、yeah. English, a hundred cards Japanese. You're probably gonna get gem rate like 80% PSA 10 on on the、uh, the Japanese cards, whereas Japanese, English you'll probably、right. get like 20%. Oh,、wow. yeah, and I think、okay. wouldn't that make it more rare, or is it, it, it that doesn't really matter? It's just more options. Yeah, like I guess you know you just have to pick and choose which ones you're gonna be sending to to PSA. If you're looking at the English, you'll really inspect the card. Whereas Japanese, you you just have to like. Flip it back and forth. You're like, this one's good and send it in. For the most part, you know, I'm generalizing, especially these. Yeah. But I think a lot of it, the grading or the conditions have to do with, you know, they they use different card stocks for one. Like the Japanese card stock is a lot thinner than the ones that are English. And I think、mm. and I think a Japanese laser cuts their cards, whereas the English sets, they use like the blade or they just you know the knife to cut it, to cut the cards. Oh wow.、Uh, don't quote me on that. I, that's what I heard.、Um, yeah. And, That's interesting, though. And like, there's just way less print runs in the Japanese sets than there are in the English, because Pokemon Japan, they don't really care about the demand that's outside of Japan. They only care about the citizens of Japan, and they print for that type of for their population.、Hmm. Whereas,、mm-hmm. like now, more and more people are, you know, jumping on the Japanese、um, train for collecting Pokemon cards, but、right. they're not really printing more. They're just keeping it. If the demand is high in Japan, they'll print for Japan Japanese、uh, population, but they don't really care. Yeah. So like right right, right away when a set comes out, you know, a booster box retails for like fifty dollars in Japan.、Um, it's automatically no matter like if you know the card list or not, it's going to be a hundred dollars minimum, like resale.、Mm. And then whether the set is good or bad, that's when it goes up even higher or goes down further. Interesting.、Um... Yeah, initially what Hyun was asking, I was thinking the same thing. If the gem rate is so much higher with the Japanese cards, I would have expected it to be, you know, the same card、uh, from the Japanese set、um, compared to the、uh, English card. I thought it would be not as not as expensive as the English version because the you know there's an eighty percent gem rate. But I guess 
what you're saying is that um, the print run has a is a main factor in, in determining supply and demand. Yeah, I think, is that what I'm? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, like the the like there's definitely if you have two of the same cards, um, Japanese set is typically more expensive for okay, um, especially for the rare cards. Um, right, but that's not always the case. But I would say generally. Japanese cards, they'll have a lower pop rate and they'll have a more expensive um, price for the card. Yeah. Uh, you know, since I've um, been doing more research on uh, Pokemon cards, like, uh, I guess one of the things I expect to happen is as as more people get into collecting Pokemon cards because of the internet, because of eBay, um, Facebook groups, like you can have um, better access to Japanese cards than before, right? So maybe the the demand is going to be higher for for uh, like a uh, you know a Japanese set that has a lower print run, which could which could be, I guess, if you're an investment investor type, that might be the better play. Do you think? Yeah. So like buying, I think the the good play is like buying booster boxes. Um, like again, like I only started collecting not like for the past few years, so I've only yeah. had access to what whatever sets came out. Um, but yeah, buying like if you buy a booster box, typically if the set is good it'll do really well. So in like mm. 2020, I bought um, a, a booster box of this set called Dream League. I was buying them for $80 each. Um, okay. And then at the peak, they were selling for like almost $2,000 a box. Holy. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> um, now they're probably around nine, eight, 900 bucks. But Still, yeah, like, wow. there's just a bull run of like Japanese people wanting um, and it was like the, the Japanese card stores were, were, were putting out bounties on like every single card, any set. They'll say if market rate was like a thousand dollars for a box, they'll just say, mm-hmm. okay, anyone that brings their box to us will buy for eleven hundred dollars. So they're they're paying above market. So who's not going to go to these stores? So then that's what causes huge bull run in like right. I think it was like May of twenty twenty three, so this year. Um, oh wow. That's a recent, but yeah, everything has come down a lot. Or not back to normal, but it's it's gone came down a lot because that bull run was like absolutely crazy. I had a card that was worth two thousand dollars at the time, and then it jumped up ten x to twenty thousand. Um, wow! You know, to yeah. diamond hands, I didn't sell, and now now it's down, <laughs> it's back down to like three thousand. So, you know, that's right. Um, yeah. I remember when Roy um, put that in our chat, and then I believe all of us said, "Roy, you got to sell." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were like, "Sell quickly!" and and of course uh, he didn't. But um, what well, which card was that? It, the, it, the... It's a Japanese card. It's called Alola Friends, and in PSA ten. Okay. Um, so that's like PSA a special, 10. you know, special set. They they sell these boxes. There's only two cards inside of the box. That's it, and the rest are kind of like accessories. Um, mm. I think it's called like Master Collection. Um, so then it was a really rare card. The only way to get it is buying this box. Um, and there's only two cards inside. So everyone got the two, the same two promotional cards. So then I I was like, okay, you know, that's kind of rare. So I'll give it a shot. I'll, I'll I'll buy it. I like the the image on it. Mm. Uh, and then, you know, I did really well, but at the end of the day, I'm almost back to (laughs) to even ground. (laughs) yeah well this holy smokes like uh just the two cards in a box kind of reminds me of like national treasures panini flawless like super high end i guess um 
Um, and I think, um, you know, when we were talking at the card show, I was trying to draw par- like different parallels from the sports card market to the Pokemon card markets mm-hmm. so I could better understand um, what Pokemon cards are all about. Um, so in, in that vein, um, are there any other parallels, um, you know, in terms of... Um, pardon the pun with parallels but like you mentioned hollows i guess that's kind of like the equivalent of a sports card parallel or uh you know a reverse hollow like different kind of variations of the card i wouldn't say those are the parallels but um yeah i guess it would be because there would be the the regular and then there'll be the hollow version for some some of the cards um but i would say you know it's hard to because it's a a trading card game um you can't have Mm. parallels you can't have number cards um, oh, true. Because everyone needs the card to play the game, right? Um, mm, right, right. Makes sense. I, like the only thing I would consider like a numbered card is uh, like a world championship card. So the people that are playing the actual TCG game at the world championships, if they mm. if they rank like winner, second place, top top eight, top sixteen, top thirty two, they get this card. Right. This card that's only given out to those contestants, and they're stamped how well they did. So you gotcha. know, some of those wow. contestants will just sell the card because they, they don't care about it or they just want money. And then it's now yeah. become a collector's item. So like, I don't think anyone's really selling them off as, as they were easily back then. Um, mm. So I would say those are probably the numbered cards. Those have been you know, becoming more popular these days. Um, Great. And you know, some of them are fetching like a really pretty penny. Like the, I think it was like the 1998 one that I was talking to you about, Clark, off the show. Yeah. Like yeah. those cards are like hundred thousand dollar cards. Um, yeah, and it yeah, doesn't I even have imagine. to be a PSA ten. Like a PSA eight will go for like a hundred thousand USD. So, right, because it's so rare. Exactly, yeah, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. I'm just trying to like you know wrap my head around some of the different Pokemon characters that are you know um, from the different sets. Um, like my my son has a different favorite one a different one every week yeah so i'm like what I, I never heard of that one and and things like that so um who would you say are the mj and lebron of pokemon you know like who are the goats in the pokemon um i maybe we already mentioned with charizard but um, are there any other ones that are like elite level um status uh yeah like that's a beauty about pokemon like anyone whoever collects like you, you're truly collecting what what you love because you either fall mm. in love with the Pokemon um, from either playing the game, you enjoy the character, or you could like relate with them. Like uh, like when I talk to my kids, I'm Snorlax because like I just want to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's not my favorite Pokemon, but you know, for someone it can be. Um, sure. But like yeah, the, the main Pokemon's I think the popular ones are like definitely Charizard. Any like the OG starters, Blastoise, Venusaur, uh, Mewtwo's mm. definitely big. Gengar. Um, Gengar, Eevee, yeah. and like the evolution, so Eevee can turn into like eight different um, evolutions, and right. the top one from from those, like all of them are probably pretty popular, but the po- most popular okay. from that is probably uh, this one called Umbreon. Umbreon, yeah, is that the black one? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Let's see, all right, I'm learning. Um, yeah, you're doing this well. might be a dumb. <laughs> this this might be a dumb question though but um are there any new characters introduced in pokemon and and you know if there are do those c- cards hold any value right i guess the equivalent in the sports card world is like new rookies coming up yeah that uh, sports card collectors of course love to chase are there something like that for in the pokemon world yeah they're not as loved as the rookie cards in the sports card world but every okay. generation so like 
the show will you know the show will go on and then after right. that se- season is done there's a generation there's, there's a second generation so after generation one there's generation two and in in that generation mm-hmm. they they just they throw out like another 100 200 pokemon to introduce but every every wow. every first show there's three starters again so you know our okay. our arrows charmander bulbasaur um squirtle the next one yeah. was like i don't know it's pretty embarrassing i actually don't know but like the <laughs> the newest generation just came out like i think it was like a few months ago so there's another mm-hmm. three starters i think it's like sprigatito oh, interesting Hue, go go and some other one so there's always those three there's always going to be three starters um right okay that, how many generations are there now i have no idea there's a lot uh, i think it's there's like a lot seven or something oh, okay uh, but, no yeah, idea. don't call me uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll do our <laughs> we'll do research after the show yeah, exactly. um no okay but no yeah i didn't know about the three starters um and there's always three per generation yeah there's always three and then there's always okay. pikachu so pikachu is always the main pokemon um yeah and then there's always three starters for the other uh guys to to pick from yeah okay um you know when i first um like uh heard about pokemon and obviously i heard about pikachu first because it's the main character like i always assumed pikachu was the most powerful right because it's the most popular and then my son's like, "Oh, I don't like Pikachu because so weak." I'm like, "Why is Pikachu like the main the main Pokemon in this series if it's not the strongest?" Like, I didn't get it, but um, uh, it's still beloved by many. I hear. Um, yeah, like I'm mainly a Pikachu collector. Like that's pretty much all I collect. I had that. Okay. I had that memory <laughs> of Pikachu being, you know, right. a free so it would be because you you like the character, like you like that's uh, that's why someone would. I guess collect or it would have collectability is because they would just like the character for instance. Yeah, so like collectability for Pokemon is like, you know, if you pick like the popular ones, right, they'll always have at least one like really expensive card. Um but yeah, for myself like yeah, I just like Pikachu. I thought it was cute. Uh it never went inside a Pokéball and it just kind of, you know, walked around saying Pika Pika to ash so i was like oh that's cute you know i was like 10 years older see to me this is all like hobby this all falls under hobby logic (laughs) right (laughs) well he's the main character like one of the main characters so yeah he's iconic and i feel like he's also featured he's also featured in a lot of rare cards and stuff like like special cards or special promotional cards there's usually pikachu there right so yeah yeah for the most part it'll always be pikachu because that's what pokemon is kind of pushing as the main and they know everyone right. loves Pikachu, so. Pikachu is cute. How can you not love Pikachu? Exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, next I want to ask you about some of the terminology used by Pokemon collectors mm-hmm. that I think might be useful for those who want to get into it. Um, so I'll list a few that I've come across, like even just on like eBay listings. I'm like, I don't, I don't understand what this means. So uh, until I had to <laughs> dig and do research. So uh, we talked about reverse hollow, reverse foil, which was a a concept that I wasn't aware of. Like, obviously we know about hollow and things like that, but the reverse hollow is when I guess, um, in Pokemon cards, there's a, a box and a picture of the character in the box. But the, the reverse hollow is when the background of the card is holographic, I guess. And the picture itself isn't. Yeah, exactly. So typically it would just be the background where the words are, you know, the borders, um, right. That's the holographic part, and the actual photo of the the Pokemon is non-holographic, mm-hmm. pretty much. Okay. It's just like the reverse holo holographics, right? 
So that that would be the parallel. That would be like your pink, you know, in baseball or something like that. Cool. Um, Typically, what's what's more valuable, the hollow or the reverse hollow? They're both pretty not much worth not much. (laughs) Okay. Depending on the set, some of the some of the uh, like uh, older sets, their reverse hollows are worth a lot. And like with the um, the new new set called one one fifty one, which is like the original one hundred fifty one Pokemon. In the Japanese, they have like it's like a reverse hollow, but it's called the Master Ball. So those Mm -hmm. ones are fetching a lot of money. Um, So it really varies on set, but for the most part, reverse hollows aren't worth you know anything more. Gotcha. Yeah. So they're kind of like pink refractors and green refractors. Greens are numbered though, right? (laughs) Greens are numbered. Uh, Yeah. yeah. Oh, you know what? For I'm thinking prism basketball. Uh, So green prism. Yes. Right. Okay. Um, non-numbered pink and green yeah. refractors. Um, I remember when we were walking around in the expo and then uh, there was a note that says LP. Do you want to tell them what LP stands for? Yeah. So as you know, like Pokemon is a trading card game. So when you buy a raw card, they have all these different uh, acronyms for the condition of the card. So um, there's like LP... Sorry, there's like damaged, which is DMG, you'll see. HP, which is heavily played. Uh, MP, moderately played. LP, lightly played. NM, near mint. And then like some people just coin mint, like or like near mint to mint. Um, right. And this, this is the condition of the card. But the thing is like everyone has a different understanding of what these conditions are, you know. When you're, sure. when you're selling a card... You know, your near mint is different than someone who's buying a card because they expect it to be near like perfect. But you know, yeah. if you're if you're trying to buy a card and it says near mint, like you, there still has there's still going to be or has the chance to have like damaged edges or you know whitening on the card. Right. So don't expect every near mint to be you know a gem mint ten when you if you're going to mm. submit it to grade. Um, yeah. So it, it, they, in that stipulation of near mint is you know, potential damage, small scratches, tiny little, you know, blemishes. Imperfections. Yeah, sure. exactly. And yeah. as you go down that list, you know, obviously the the wear and tear of the card is greater, right? Yeah. So that's that's quite similar to the sports card world, right? Like I never expect near mints to be mint. I always expect the worst. Um, so you know what you're getting yourself into. A couple more. Um, the next ones are like V, like on the cards themselves, V, V star, EX, GX. Any of those have any special meaning, or is it just labels for the cards? Them, like yeah, I think like that. I, like again, I don't play the trading card game, and I don't watch the show. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So, from what I know, like V is like, you know, after they evolve, they could get into a better, bigger form or something. I know like V Max oh, okay. is like they become like these huge um, versions of themselves, or like something like right, that. Right. But um, okay. yeah, I, I don't, I don't know too too much in, in terms of like what they are what, what they mean or what they look like um okay I, yeah sorry yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's fair all right we talked about first edition sets uh, at the beginning of the interview are there any other popular sets you know um uh, that seem to be um holding holding their value or even increasing in value like you know i know you didn't collect yourself from 2001 to um there's a big gap there but um just when you look for certain cards like are there any iconic type sets that seem to be popping up where Oh, these cards are always priced really well because everyone wants them. Yeah, like like definitely vintage sets, like certain vintage sets. Like everyone loves like uh, the Neo Genesis or um, Crystal, like 
Mm. Um, but like in terms of like the more modern cards, like the 151 that just came out recently, I think that's that's like a great set to to buy and hold long term. Um, okay. But yeah, like honestly, like the new sets that have been coming out for the Scar- Scarlet and Violet um, series, mm-hmm. nah, it ain't it, man. Like there has <laughs> there hasn't been too many good uh, sets recently. So all those. You know, if you're looking just to rip for cheap, those are those are good sets to uh, to rip. Like you know, long term, it may they may go up in value, but mm. um, in terms of yeah, I wouldn't be collecting those or looking at those. I'd be looking at you know the, the series before any some Sword and Shield or even Sun and Moon. Those are some good eras to be collecting in. Um, okay. But if you want good something more modern, I think 151 is a good hold, um, mm-hmm. especially on the Japanese sets because they have that that exclusive Master Ball. Uh, reverse hole that the English sets don't right. have. So, cool. Yeah, and 151. That's the one with Snorlax on the box. It's Mew or Mew or Mew. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Um. You know, uh, last question that I have uh, until we do a kind of our usual rapid fire at the end. Um. And and you know, I'll throw it to John and Chung if they have any more questions. But you know, we're fast approaching Christmas, and I'm sure a lot of kids. Um, are going to get some Pokemon cards as gifts. But if you do go to Walmart or to a hobby shop, um, you'll realize there are so many different set configurations out there, right? Like to buy, mm-hmm. um, you could get tins, you could get, you, you mentioned ETB for people that don't know, it's elite trainer boxes and, and then booster packs, booster boxes, of course, all available at different price points. So, you know, for me, it reminds me of um, in the sports car world, like hobby boxes, jumbo boxers, blasters, mm-hmm. hanger packs, all those things. So, um, is there a configuration you would say would give you the most bang for your buck? Like usually I think of hobby boxes, you know, you're guaranteed an autograph or, or two. Mm-hmm. Um, are, are there ones that you just, you know, um, if you're looking for a hit, what, what's, the, what's the one product that you would buy? Yeah, so the hobby, well, the thing about the hobby box, similar to sports cards, you can't buy hobby boxes in you know retail. So right. there's something called a booster box, at least on the English side, that is guaranteed your hits. Yeah, you're, I think you're guaranteed mm. like one hit. Um, okay. So that's like you're guaranteed, but you could, you have to buy those at like a you know either on the Pokemon website when it drops or um, through like your local card store. Um, yeah. But in terms of like if you're going into a Walmart ETBs are, are fun, but then you're paying for a lot of like accessories, um, hmm. for like dice and all these like coins that come inside. It's, sometimes they come with a promo card if they're a special set. They're, okay. they're priced a little higher in terms of price per pack, but they're also the ones that will um, do better long term if you're going to buy and hold. Um, right. But at the end of the day, you just have to buy what's in your budget. You know, um, you buy yeah. if you could afford, you know three packs, three sleeve boosters, do that if you wanted a tin. Um, but in terms of best bang for buck, yeah, like tins are fun, you know, but you only get a couple packs. You got to know what's inside. Like they don't say, they don't explicitly say which um, sets are inside the tins. So you kind of have to do like mm. research before. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, it'll just say like sword and shield, like two packs, and then you have to like kind of guess or you just do some research beforehand, like what packs come in, in these tins. Um, yeah. But yeah, like if you're going to Walmart, ETBs are, are always good, but they're now they're overpriced just because like Walmart's just gouging everybody. Sports cards <laughs> too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like right. back in the day, you buy blister for like thirty bucks. Now it's what? What are they now? Sixty, fifty? Yeah, yeah, forty, forty-five. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Brutal. Um, okay. 
Young John, you have any questions? I, you know, I, I like have that. a question. Like, um, Go ahead. I, like for me, I'm, I don't think I would get into Pokemon too much, but I do know all my like friends' kids love Pokemon, and sometimes I'm like, this would be a great gift or whatever. If I had like a hundred dollar budget, would it be better to buy like single a single that can appreciate in the future, like a graded single or? Would it be better to buy just like a, I guess, a, a box or whatever? Yeah, like it's tough to say. Um, graded buying great, like again, it's like sports cards. It's, buy, it's better to buy the single than to try to rip and get the chase, right? Mm-hmm. But that's mm-hmm. that's part of the fun too. Um, right. And that's why I love ripping with my kid, like because he could rip as long as the full art card, he could rip a one mm-hmm. cent full art card. But he's so pumped. He's like, yeah, full art. Um, and you see this joy in their face, like, whereas like, you know, for, for us, you know, a little bit older grown ups, or even like, you know, teenagers, they're just going for that chase card. If they don't hit the chase, they're like, ah, that was garbage. But you know, <laughs> right. when you're ripping with kids, like, they just have so much joy ripping and you know, that's what I love about the hobby. You, you just get to see this, this overwhelming joy when they, when they hit a card, same with sports card, right? When you see these kids rip yeah. cards, like, they get so pumped and that's what I love. So, um, that's cool. Yeah. But yeah, if you if you were to gift you a know, hundred dollar budget, yeah, buy a single if they if they say like this is the card I want, yeah, buy the single. Um, if you want to have fun with them, just buy a you know ETB and rip rip like eight packs with them. Or um, yeah, that's what I would say. Hmm. When Xiang mentioned you know what, whether it's better to get slapped um, Pokemon card, uh, is there a grading company that's preferred in the Pokemon card world? Is it is it um, kind of like sports cards where PSA is still king and everything else is below PSA? Like that's what's exact- the hierarchy, would you say? That's exactly what I was going to Yeah, ask. yeah, it's, it's all the same. Um, CGC, okay. there was, it used to be a big fan base for CGC, but ever since they changed their slabs, like, ev- like everyone's dogging them. So um, Really? Yeah. Really interesting. Yeah. Everyone, ever since they went from like 9.5. I like the new slabs. Yeah, but everything that was a 9.5 automatically got bumped up to a 10, right? Right. So oh, right. it kind of like messed with the whole like pricing. So at first, I think there was like a big bump, like, oh, it's a 10. The prices went high. But then after everyone realized, like, what is a 10? What is a nine and a half? Like, there's no real right. like true understanding yeah. of what the card actually is grade, graded. Yeah. Um, that's mm-hmm. when their, their price started to go down. So PSA, I think, is still king. Um, black label, which I think there's a lot more black labels in Pokemon than there are in sports cards. So a lot of people chase that, you know, that black label, try to get that black label because especially with Japanese, I think, I don't think the gem rate's high in terms of getting the black label, but much higher than any other cards out there, I would say. Um, okay. Yeah. So again, like, like sports card, black labels, number one, PSA 10, uh, and then down the list. Very similar. Yeah. So, so we're in like a, you, the four of us are in a friends chat group for the listeners. And Roy has been one of the only ones that are still active, actively grading. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he, bl- he blesses us with PSA reveals on our chat group, which is amazing. Um, so Roy now, you know, you Roy, you still you got like sort of this experience of grading sports cards and Pokemon cards. The way you look and inspect the Pokemon card are there nuances about Pokemon cards that you need to be aware of when you're grading them? Or is it like exactly the same? You know, like you look for a whitening, you look, obviously centering, whitening surfaces is, is a pretty, a 
pretty much a mainstay, but is there anything different about Pokemon in the way you have to look at the card versus a sports card? Um, not necessarily, but the borders are very clear, which helps, you know, your eye align the card saying, is this card centered or not? Um, they have like silver borders or yellow borders. Um, so it's a lot easier to say, okay, this is 60, 40. Is this, this could have a potential of nine or sorry, potential of a 10, or it might be a nine. So you have a better understanding of what's well centered. Um, Pokemon cards do have some print lines. If they're older cards, they have scratches. Anything that has like whitening, I typically won't send in uh, on the back mm-hmm. of the card or on the edges, um, unless it's like a little bit of an older card and PSA nine still hold a really good value. Then I'll still send those in. Right. Expect a nine, and if I get a ten bonus, if not, then you know I'll keep it as a nine or sell it or trade or whatever. Um, but yeah, pretty much you're looking for the same things: scratches, whitening, centering. Um, yeah, yeah. There's just nothing you could really do in terms of like cleaning. Uh, the surface of a Pokemon <laughs> card because it's like, you know, it's, it's not Chrome, right? It's just, it's paper, it's, it's cardstock. Um, right. But Roy does a good job because like oh, yeah. whenever he does his reveal, it's like a 90% gem rate. Yeah, like it's 10, 10, yeah, 10, yeah. 10, yeah. 10. Yeah, like, yeah, again, like the, because I do like 99% Japanese cards, like they're so easy to right. come back as a gem, like, and it's so easy to see which ones aren't going to be coming back a gem, right? So, right. Uh, good to know. Yeah, like, yeah I, gonna... like I had binders of like cards, and I'm like, oh, this is worth something now. So then I'll just take them all out, look at them, <laughs> and I just submitted them all, and they all come back ten. So That's quality crazy. control wow. for Japanese Pokemon cards is really good. All right, uh, I'm just after this uh, podcast, I'm just gonna look for Japanese Pokemon cards <laughs> to buy <laughs> to buy raw, and then and then submit them for grading. <laughs> and the best part is like Pokemon, like grading Pokemon costs is way more cheap than grading sports cards. Uh, right. Why? I don't know. Like PSA, I think it's $15 a card or they had a promotion for $15 a card USD yeah, per yeah. Uh, trading card. Um, whereas sports yeah. is, well, I don't know, what did they charge sports? Like 24 bucks or something? No, it's ridiculous. About 30 now though, right? <laughs> Including yeah, upcharge? Yeah. Like, oh man. Oh, that, that upcharge. Yeah. Did they do upcharge Does, for yeah, Pokemon do, cards? Yeah, great question. Yeah, oh yeah. So like the last submission I got upcharged okay. for like seven of the cards. But like mm-hmm. when I was submitting mm-hmm. last year, I, I, when Pokemon wasn't as popular or the Japanese market, I was sending like thousand dollar cards raw or like five hundred dollar cards raw. They'd come back at ten and right. there'd be no upcharge. I'd be like, Oh, maybe they just don't know. Because <laughs> 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 I got zero upcharges in the last like two or three submissions, I've always got upcharged at least for like one or two cards. So uh, there you go. It's getting more popular. Yeah. They're, they're I, think, I think it's Yes, I think that's just a matter of time till um, TCG cards are going to be like thirty dollars to grade, <laughs> just oh, like sports cards. No, thank you. Just a matter of time. Yeah. <laughs> well, Roy, thanks for uh, you know enlightening us, and uh, I certainly learned a lot. I, you know, I looked at the time and it's like, wow, forty minutes already just talking Pokemon cards. I would have never thought yeah. this would happen <laughs> on this pod, but appreciate it. We, you know, we. Oh, I know you're a loyal listener. Um, to our podcast as well so you know that we like to do rapid fire at the end of every interview for our guests so uh, first one which pokemon card is your favorite that you own right now yeah it's going back to that that same picture that got me back into pokemon it's uh the pikachu festa 2016 it's the 20th anniversary yeah. has pikachu in the middle it's got the three og starters there's only two cards in all of pokemon that have the og starters all in one card with pikachu mm-hmm. and that's one of them and the other one is uh, it's a half art, so that's definitely okay. the one yeah, that has my heart. 
Amazing. <laughs> that's a cool card. I, I was like, oh, damn, I want one too. And then I see that's like $10,000. I'm like, okay, I'm not getting that one. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, I have to work up to it. Um, uh, what's your Grail Pokemon card that you you know, you know hope to have one day? Grail Pokemon card? Probably, it's hard to say. There's just so much like, because like the knowledge, I don't have the full knowledge. But so every time I'm like, going into a deep dive like oh i want to spend this much or like i want to set like a list of what cards i want I'm like oh hmm. what is that and you know and then there's a there's a story behind it but um right now i guess my next grail would be um mysterious Mount- mountains charizard psa 10 which is like the crystal version of the english set um okay. i don't know it just looks so cool uh i love that whole era of you know the sky Ridge, so that would probably yeah. be my next grail card on the list Nice, nice. How much is it going for these days? I think it's like, I forget it was like 11,000 or 15,000 USD. Ooh, yeah. Okay. Damn. <laughs> wow. All right. Um, I think I know this answer already because we talked about grading, but would you rather have a PSA 9 or a CGC 10? Oh, easily PSA 9. Really? really? Whoa. <laughs> okay. Well, honestly, it really depends. Like, there's like there's so much variation in Pokemon. Like, being rare, being vintage, being like, you know, ones that are like, and some people, a lot of people grade with CGC. Um, there's a lot of love. There used to be, I don't think as much anymore, but a lot of people still submit to CGC. I guess maybe because they're like, I don't think it's going to get a PSA 10. So let's try for a CGC 10. I don't know if that's the logic or not, but um, I, yeah, for the most part, I'd probably rather have a CGC, or sorry, a PSA 9. Okay. So um, Roy's also part of the PSA snob club. Yeah, 100%. So just, just, just the one that has young, the most value. The... It's the one that everybody knows, everyone trusts. Young's <laughs> you know. the president of that club, and Roy is uh, vice president. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you ever want to come to BGS, that's where I'm at, okay? Um, <laughs> which Pokemon is cuter, Charmander or Squirtle? And which one's more popular, do you think? I think probably Charmander is more popular. I like Squirtle okay. better. I don't. I, I was never a huge Charizard guy. Uh, I did buy the red version instead of the blue for the Game Boy. But um, right after playing, I was like, "Oh, Charizard Blaster is pretty cool." Charizard, you nice. know, everyone just loves Charizard, and I don't know why. <laughs> because it's cool. The dragon. It's it's yeah. It's awesome. Um, and last one is. Uh, what would you say is the most underrated Pokemon card or set? Whatever you, comes to mind. Oh, that's so hard. Underrated set or underrated Pokemon? Yeah. There's there's over a thousand Pokemon, so who can be underrated? Like, <laughs> <laughs> is there over a thousand? Wow, yeah, there's crazy. over a thousand now. Uh, I guess with all the generations, yeah. Or how about which Pokemon do you think deserves more hobby love? We talk about this in the sports card world, which athlete like Dame Lillard and you know other other athletes. But which Pokemon card do you think, or which Pokemon do you think deserves a little bit more love that probably doesn't get enough? It's got to be Squirtle, no? No, it's oh, probably Squirtle, Squirtle like gets Bla- you a lot. Like Blastoise, like I I always thought he should be like near the same level and value as Charizard, but it, I feel like it's not even close. <laughs> yeah, I don't think in like terms still, of value. Like he's still quote unquote popular, but not in terms of value. Yeah, they're like fractions of what Charizards are worth, like the top end Charizards versus the top end Blastoise. Like, doesn't even compare. Like, one is like mm. unattainable, and one's like maybe I could afford that. You know, 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, like some something that's underrated. I don't know something maybe like someone like Lucario. Um, you okay. probably don't know who these guys are. I barely know them. I only know yeah. them my my kid uh, starts watching the show. Yeah. And I, sometimes I watch them. Oh, that, that's pretty cool, Pokemon. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think like someone complete like complete blank stare from Young and I. Yeah, you're like who? <laughs> like no, I'm just idea trying to put about. all this together. I'm trying to get the parallels to the sports card industry. I'm just <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm just an observer right now. Okay. Um, interesting. My son wants a Latias. I don't know if you, if that's how you say it. Yeah, Latias. Um, I love. Or, I yeah, don't know. I don't, I don't even know, know if I'm I, saying it right. We're in the yeah, same boat, Clark. But. Which is dads of Pokemon kids. Yeah. <laughs> I love it because I look at the card. I'm like, oh, PSA 10 is worth 40 bucks. Perfect. Oh, okay. You know, he doesn't like the nice. expensive ones. So, nice. So I'll get that for him for Christmas. All right, Roy, thanks so much for, um, you know, talking Pokemon with us. And you know what? The, we haven't done this with a guest, but he's going to stay on for our next weekly segment we call Pick One. All right. So this will be fun because uh, I think this is a first, right? On our Pokemon history, yeah. or sorry, on our podcast history, <laughs> where we got a special guest um, coming in to this next, you know, weekly segment that we do all the time. So, um, uh, Roy, do you actually have one uh, to lead off with uh, since you're our special guest? Yeah, I'll think of one on the top of my head. Um, <clears throat> okay. Yeah. So, would you guys rather have one $10,000 Pokemon card? That you cannot trade, you cannot sell. It's part of your collection. Any ten thousand mm. dollar Pokemon card, or would you rather have a two thousand dollar sports card of your favorite player, rookie card, or whatever it is? Two thousand? Yeah. So like one fifth of the cost, but one is worth ten thousand and it can increase, but you're not allowed to trade it. You're not, it's like in your PC for forever. Or would you, you rather have sell it? You can't sell it. You can't do nothing. You can't. It's just in your collection. <laughs> but it's ten thousand and it's growing. Or like it's gonna steadily grow. Or would you rather have a two thousand dollars sports card of your choice, and you could do whatever you want with it? Mm, okay. Because I know you guys don't like Pokemon, but like, are you are you seeing value? Like, or you know, even if it's like a fifty thousand dollars card, and then you have like a five thousand dollars sports card, um, would you rather have some some type of Grail that cannot be traded, sold, or would you rather have a sports card that you can kind of, you know, I'll, I'll go first on that. Yeah, I, I think you gotta I, you gotta see it as like a sports contract. You know, in the future, that trade clause <laughs> is gonna be lifted, and you're, you're gonna allow. Yeah, you're that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. no, there's a way around it in the future. I know. So I, I I like rarity. I like I like things that you know people have. Um, there's a lot of demand for, and. I I think I would go with the Pokemon card to keep in my collection for wow. sure. Yeah, like like for me, it's like sports cards is not everything. Like I have rare memorabilia too, so it's like I just like cool rare stuff, and it you know it starts conversations and and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm gonna go with the five x value of a of a mm, Pokemon. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm I'm gonna do it one day. Watch, I'm All gonna right. actually do it like a, like a super high end Pokemon. Like do do <laughs> one of those like. Nice. Those, yeah. Super, super rare. I believe it. John. I feel like we're about to be all on the same page. Oh. I, um, Roydo's like, I, I'm a Pokemon fan from afar. I know nothing about it, but the, <laughs> the art, like the full art looks amazing. Um, he gifted me with like a small card with the, like the three latest generation, uh, starters, which I appreciate. And when I look at Roy's collection, 
that card that he talked about that is like 10 grand or whatever the 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 pikachu with the three og starters like the the Mm -hmm. artwork on that one is like amazing and it just brings back a lot of memories like watching my brother and i mean even as us older guys we still remember pokemon as whether we collected or not saw the video games and all of that stuff so i think the art itself is cool the collectability is really cool and clearly i think pokemon is a tcg that is probably on the sports card level where it's sticking around for the long haul it's not going anywhere it continues to appeal generation after generation so Mm. even long term investment wise it feels like a no-brainer so yeah give me that ten thousand dollar pokemon card okay um it's it's gonna be a 10k sweep i'm going with the pokemon too you know like you know i i I, uh, especially since i've been you know researching more uh, about pokemon like i definitely appreciate it more as art as well right so you know it's something that gains value something that i could hand down to my son and he can you know if we can't sell it it could be one of those things that it just gets handed down i like the idea of that as well and um it's a uh, you know i i like um you know flexing every once in a while if it's a card that just continues to gain uh, i'd love to show people just put on the mantle and, and um, you know, show show it off to um, anyone that comes over. But uh, but yeah, so it's a it's an easy one for me as well. Um, and uh, you know, obviously, Roy, you're gonna pick the 10K too. Um, I'm assuming. Oh yeah, uh, I'll but, probably uh, lose all of it if it's a sports card, right? <laughs> <laughs> He's not that's, a, that's good point. I was gonna say the two K you could it could easily go down to zero. So <laughs> with uh, the way the sports car market is, uh, that's a good one. I'll revisit this next week when Roy's off the show, and then you know, let's see if we still say the ten K. We're like, yeah, come on, guys, we're go with the sports car, right? Yeah. <laughs> For sure. We just said that because Roy was on the show. Come on. <laughs> no, I like that. All right, uh, Hyung, do you want to go next? Yeah, I'll go. Um, so big hobby news in baseball. Uh, you guys know I'm big on Jackson Churio. He uh, he he has a big time contract before he's even called up to the big leagues as a 20 year old. Oh really? Uh, wow. Reportedly uh, largest um, ever before his big league debut. So largest uh, contract ever before his ba- big league debut. I think it's eight year, 80 million dollar deal. That's insane. Yeah, so his card prices are on fire actually right now. A lot of people wanting it. Um, and I'm going to uh, pair him up with his Bowman Chrome first auto uh, with mm-hmm. our you know favorite here too, uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. Bowman Chrome auto. Would you uh, invest in, Acuna, in a Bowman Chrome Acuna auto, which uh, PSA 10 goes for 1800 and the last sold for uh, a Churio Auto was actually seven oh nine in bids, but that was a couple weeks ago. So let's just say it's nine hundred right now, maybe a little more. So would you go half the price of Acuna, or would you invest in our MVP? Hmm. So Churio is half the price of Acuna. Churio is half the price right now of Acuna. So this just gives you an idea, though. Like Acuna did a lot of stuff. Like he, he, he's, and I, I picked these two because I think they're very similar players with Acuna. The only difference is Acuna may have hundred percent. He's de- defensively, he's going to be better. He has a better arm, uh, but we're talking Churio's the 70 power. So, I mean, he, he could hit 30, 40 home runs in the big leagues every year as well. And swipe 
he's a 70 speed as well. Hmm. So. Okay. I'll go first. Um, I don't own any Kunian. It's, it's no knock on He's obviously amazing. Uh, but either one of those cards for me is not going to be a keeper long term. I would use it to try and take advantage of a flip. So I think the Cheerio has the opportunity to gain that hype if and, you know, whenever he uh, is about to make that step into the, the big show. So give me the Cheerio for that short term volatility. Um, yeah, Cheerio for me. Yeah, that's. Um... Keep going back and forth, but I think I'm gonna go with Churio as well for the short term upside play, just like John mentioned, because you know um, Acuna also, you know, he's one of those guys where when I'm in, he's gonna get injured again, so I'm not like, oh, forget it, you know, like, you know, so I don't want to take that risk. Um, and you know, obviously, there's risk with investing in young guys too, right? Who haven't, who have never Good played up. Good point, Clark. Just just to give you prove that point. Mm-hmm. Out of the five or the four or so um, that signed a big contract before their MLB debut, here are the, the remaining that uh, Churio surpassed. So Luis Robert, Eloy Jimenez, Scott Kingery, Evan White, Whew. John Singleton. So okay. just, to, just to prove a point that, hey, there's not many that panned out there. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going with Acuna. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'll stay with the more stable. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that, that, that changed quick. <laughs> Roy, what do you think? Yeah, like if it, I would probably buy the, the Cheerio and then sell it after his first game. Like hope he has a good first game and then sell it then. Because the way <laughs> yeah, Bowman, yeah, Bowman exactly. works, is like it, it just doesn't make sense. Like these guys are paying top dollar for these kids that have never played or like are, you know, and then you have a guy like Acuna, who's like MVP star, and like his value is good, but not, it's not even like that great. Like these kids are going for way more. So I'll do yeah, short term um, Cheerio. After hope he has a very good first game or like first home run, sell that card, and then <laughs> yeah. No, I think before I think, you, yeah, before go you go, Young, uh, I'll also go with Acuna because you know I've been seeing him on, in a lot of uh, those tops marketing. Uh, campaigns so you know he's 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 a player in the baseball card space i think he'll be a growing you know ambassador for tops as well so there you go the popularity acuna did sign a a sign a really early deal that 100 million eight-year deal too but that was after Mm -hmm. his big league debut but those are both uh i think acuna's 100 million dollar deal is a steal for the atlanta braves but yeah i'm 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 gonna agree with you guys i think i like i i like to match these 1v1s to Kind of prove a point, um, even though obviously you know long term, if you were to invest, uh, it makes sense to invest in the Cunha, but it depends on how short your cycles are. And if you see opportunity where hey, you know I've seen these Bowman Chrome base autos go go high at the right time. Volpe was a perfect example. Jason Dominguez. There's all these you know examples that we've seen in the past. So I'm gonna go with Churio. He's 20 years old and uh, he's turning 20 years old. 20 years. 20 years old in March. So yeah. it's uh, it's something that he'll, he could be in the big leagues this year or this in 2024. So to, you know, be able to, yeah, to me, it's a, it's a, it's Cheerio uh, for me. Yeah. All right. 
Good one. Could have been a sweep, and t- uh, but then Hyung made me change my mind. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, that's why I baited you because I knew, I knew you guys are all like, let, let's do it for the flip and then buy buy more expensive Pokemon card. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right, John. Do you want to end, end things uh, off with your uh, pick one? Sure. Um, so you guys know me. I'm going to go hypothetical one v one. We talked about one of these cards a couple of weeks ago, so we're going to go. Uh, a junk wax era grail 1v1. So okay. 1990 tops, Frank Thomas, no name PSA 10. Ooh, last right. sold for 170,000. I think that's what you said, Clark. Holy pop man. one, pop one versus the 1993 SP foil, Derek Jeter, Ooh, PSA 10, pop 21, last full, last sold for 200k. Now, I think if this was a, you know, if it's a collector question, probably be a, a, a fairly easy answer. So let's say from an investor perspective, you got 200,000 lying around. Around that mark, what is the better investment? The SP, Derek Jeter, PSA 10, or the Pop 1 Frank Thomas, no name? It's a good one. I'll go, I'll go first. Um, from a collector, it's easy. Derek Jeter, the SP foil. Yes. Looks way better. Um, but from an investor perspective, I'm going to go with the pop one Frank Thomas, no name. I think um, what are the chances there's going to be pop two for one? Um, I, I'm sure PSA will, will be very um, strict on what passes for a PSA 10, um, knowing the importance of that card. And, you know, Frank Thomas, I think he's in broadcasting too now, right? So I think he's going to become a little bit more popular, you know, um, you know, uh, outside of his career. Um, so I'm going to bank on that a little bit. You know, um, I know Der- obviously Derek Jeter's into the broadcasting game as well. So they're both, you know, going to be relevant in the sports world. Um, so I um, that combined with the super rarity of the Frank Thomas no name, um, I'm going to go with that card um, as an investment piece. Roy, you want to you yeah, go yeah, I, I like that same type of mindset of pop one because you never know. Like Frank Thomas, yeah, again, he's in broadcasting. Something could happen. Like just having super rare car like a like a pop one is absolutely crazy. And like, what's the? Do you guys like know the print run of like this no name Frank Thomas card? It's probably yeah, pretty four, low, right? Yeah, four hundred around oh. four hundred, so equivalent to like Somewhere. an SSP. Yeah, and 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 the Jeter, it was probably printed a lot, right? Oh, crazy, like crazy. Yeah. So, like, yeah. yeah, like Jeter, he's like, I know Jeter much more than I do Frank Thomas just because my age, just watch baseball and being on the Yankees. Like, yeah, it's great to have uh, a low pop card, but having a one of one pretty much of a print run of 400, like, you can't get better than that. And, like, it's not like Frank Thomas was a bum. He was a, he was a great player, right? So, <laughs> right. He was okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, like I just just on that alone, like I think uh, for me, Frank Thomas is was a superior player. Um, obviously, Jeter has his accolades, and then the collectability of '93 SP is like a massive card for us collectors. But like that that Frank Thomas card was iconic card for me, even growing up. I, I like yeah. even now, I think it's an iconic card. I think in the future, it's going to be an iconic card. Um, and with the print run of 400 and a pop one, like for me, it's, it's a no brainer with, with the Frank Thompson. I don't know the pop count on the Jeter SP, uh, but it's going to, do you, you guys want the pop? 
21 yeah so for me I, like i said i love i love rarity uh over anything scarcity uh over pr- current prices so i'm gonna go frank thomas as well there you go wow that was uh, good this one was a yeah yeah this one was tough because i think originally the frank thomas was easy easiest to think about like pop one uh clark you you know the three of us young like the older guys like that was an iconic card back in the day and frank thomas for us was such a huge chase because griffey i missed kind of missed out on 89 griffey because when i kind of discovered upper deck it was already 1990 1991 and 89 griffey packs were just too expensive to buy so Mm. immediately the chase became frank thomas like everyone knew frank thomas was like that next big name um kind of like collecting zion williamson so I think it seems easy, but there's one thought that kind of popped in my mind as you guys were talking, and I'm going to actually go with the Jeter at 21 pop. <laughs> I think it's, wow. I, I feel like it's rare enough. And Jeter is like this legend that I think is going to continue to live on in generations. Whereas the no name, I don't even, to be honest, I don't even know. I, I get it's a pop one, but I, I'm shocked that it's $170,000 for a mm-hmm. junk cart. For a card, you know, the, the, the one with the name on it, it, you could buy it for like 10 cents, right? So I, I, I think that that lore and that legend status of the Frank Thomas, is it might die with our generation. I don't know if like Roy's generation and new collectors, it might be a bit too niche and tucked away to become a noticeable um, valued item in the future, right? Whereas the Derek Jeter SP, I think it's going to be one of these like, like Ichiro, like a legend within baseball and sports that continues to live on. And then his main rookie card continues to stand the test of time. So there is a bit of me, like in the next 10, 20 years, I think I feel like that the Jeter is going to take off a bit more than the no name. So I'm going to go with the Jeter. Okay. Well, John pulled a John at the end. You know, <laughs> yeah, we, thought, we, thought, we thought he was going to go big hurt and then he went uh, the captain. All right. Um, uh, well, that's a good way to end the show. Again, Roy, thanks a lot for coming on to the pod. We appreciate your Pokemon knowledge, and hopefully you'll be back on the pod. Hopefully, you know, um, this experience didn't scare you off. But, uh, you know, I feel like I feel like the Pokemon market's going to just continue to grow, right? So it was very beneficial for us to hear um, and learn about uh, Pokemon cards. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, and hopefully, hopefully, I was uh, able to spread a little bit of knowledge. My mind might have been all over the place, but hopefully, you guys got oh, something sure. out of it. For sure, oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, and uh, of course, thank you to all our listeners um, uh, who uh, tune in every week. We'll uh, uh, have a brand new episode for you guys next week, Tuesday, um, and we'll we'll see you then. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to Cards to the Moon. We'd really appreciate you subscribing to our podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can also connect with each of us on Instagram at 5cardguys, or you can follow Hyung at Integrity Sports Cards, or John at Trade You at Recess. You can also check us out at 5cardguys.com. Thanks again, and hope to connect soon.